Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is the uh, final episode of this year. So if you're listening to this, it's probably uh, right in between Christmas and New Year's. So again, I just want to thank you guys all for listening, especially for all the comments and all the love I've been getting from the Deconstruction Series uh, podcast. Uh, starting next year, I have a couple more episodes I'm going to drop. I'm also going to be starting a a coffee account um, just to do some fundraising, just to kind of keep the show running. Because since the beginning of this show, since the beginning, I started doing podcasts, I pretty much did everything and all my equipment's outdated. So we have some little fun incentives there. So hopefully you guys might be interested in doing that. And again, no obligation. If you love listening to it, I'm not going to put a paywall behind it. It is still free. It's just if you'd like to help out with any type of upkeep and of the equipment that I'm using for podcasts and even be able to pay so I can have more group chats instead of one-on-one, I definitely uh, would love to do that. And I'll kind of give information about that at the beginning of 2022. But today we're going to talk about um, Christianity Today's podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, this, the first episode dropped in June, I believe, I think it was either June or July. Hold on, I have it right here. Yeah, June of June 22nd was the very first episode and it just ended about a couple weeks ago. Uh, so with me is Phil Van Dyke. You may remember Phil from the Deconstruction Series. Uh, so Phil, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So the first question before we dive right into kind of a review of this podcast is uh, just to kind of do a quick note of what Mars Hills was and kind of a quick synopsis of the story for those who may not have listened to it. But uh, essentially Mars Hill uh, there's a couple of Mars Hill churches in America, but the one that was specifically focused on was the Mars Hill out in uh, Washington, um, the state, not D.C. And um, the pastor there, the lead pastor there was Mark Driscoll, and it was one of the fastest growing churches in America. Um, and it just seemed like after, you know, a good decade or so, it was the fastest imploding church. Um, everything just kind of shut down and it kind of really highlights all the inner workings, kind of the good, the bad and the ugly of that um, thing. So especially if you're someone who likes church history, especially American church history, I think this is good if you're just if you just love hearing good storytelling and good journalism uh this would be another great podcast for you to listen to as well uh so phil what prior knowledge have you had about uh, mars hill uh before um the podcast dropped so i think that they even said it in the podcast that mars hill was basically the first internet church you know they were the first ones to really put their sermons online Mm -hmm. um and mark driscoll really marketed himself and as a result um a lot of my friends i mean well, not a lot of my friends but like there are a decent amount of people that i knew that really liked mark driscoll and were like oh have you listened to this sermon like this guy's really good you know so i listened to a few sermons and kind of knew about it from that but like outside of like being in ohio like there was really nothing like I had no other connection or or any other end to it. So, yeah, I, I for me, I knew a little bit of the story of Mars Hill just kind of after its closure, uh, mainly because I was usually interacting with um, 
people who've had podcasts um, from kind of the Seattle area, specifically in the tooth and nail solid state world, because uh, a lot of those uh, members who were in some of the bands that I listened to were actually members of that church. And I know specifically uh, the guys from Emory, um, Matt and Dustin and Toby, they went to that church. They actually, Dustin left Emory to be um, a worship leader at Mars Hill. So on their uh, Bad Christian podcast, they talk a lot about, they talk a lot about some of the fallout from that and everything else. And then I've heard a couple of other podcasts from, some of the women from there. So I know uh, one person in this podcast that they interviewed, Jen Schmidt. I mean, I've heard a lot of her talking about stuff, you know, probably about five, six years ago on like a podcast or like on a conference that she did kind of talking about a lot of that. So that was really my knowledge. And then I think the other knowledge I had is I knew about the controversy of the real marriage book. Um, and I can remember at that time I was a pastor. I had a right now media account and saw that Mark Driscoll had a bunch of like video teachings on there. And one of them was real marriage. And luckily I could go in the back end and just like hide all those. So like no one from my congregation would find them <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, I don't want people buying into this. Cause I disagree with a lot of this um, wholeheartedly. Um, yeah. So again, this podcast started in June, 20, uh, June, 22nd uh just ended about a week or two ago here in december uh, so listening to the complete podcast all the episodes phil what was something that you got out of it that you thought was either surprising heartbreaking i mean there's a lot of stuff that's heartbreaking in this but something that really kind of resonated uh with you um on those on those levels so I think primarily the the biggest thing that really stuck with me was like because I was listening to the first episode again and I actually listened to it a couple times because I thought it was interesting in that um, you know in the thesis they were saying like well we all killed it you know it wasn't just any one person mm-hmm. um, and I think that they did a good job of of kind of like going through the story and kind of talking to people that were actually involved but like what i what was really impressed upon me was like the the sheer immensity like the the sheer like number of instances that were that were just done in the name of jesus you know through mark driscoll or people acting in his name you know that just absolutely devastated people you know, it's, it's not like, cause I mean, there's always this low hanging fruit. Cause I never liked Mark Driscoll. Like I always thought he was a jerk. I thought he was a bully, you know, and I don't necessarily like, and I don't think that they, that they, they, they took that low hanging fruit. And I also want to avoid doing that mm-hmm. in the same yeah. time, you know, because I mean, it is a much bigger issue, but yeah. So like from like, from beginning to end, just like the actual gravity of, of everything that happened to people and the fact that he said, Oh, God told me to leave. So I don't have to take responsibility for any of this. Like that was the most devastating thing of all. And like, he has not taken any responsibility to my knowledge, you know I mean? As an mm-hmm. outsider. Yeah. And, and even, even in the final episode, the it's one title aftermath where one of the original founders of the church, when he got, you know, f- essentially fired and kicked out, you know, his son, 
went to Driscoll's church in Arizona and, you know, just said, Hey, you know, it'd be nice if you called my dad and kind of, you know, hash some things out and, you know, just let him know that you're sorry, you know, just kind of in some ways trying to help as a surrogate, trying to build that gap and kind of start mm-hmm. that process of reconciliation. And it just seemed like, you know, he, you know, he was, you know, Mark kind of just, you know, said whatever, walked away to go start, you know, next service. And then it's like, oh, then he was escorted out by security, not in a mean way, but in a, in a nice way. And it's like, huh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You Is know? there a nice so, way to be escorted out? I know? mean, I mean, if you're, I mean, you could be escorted out by like an usher, but I mean, if you have a whole security team, then, <laughs> but again, I'm not, I'm not in the mega church yeah. world. So I'm not sure if that's a norm mm-hmm. of having security <laughs> at a place. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that there's probably some wisdom. Yeah, I think so. That. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree with you, Phil. There is a lot of tragedy. Uh, and I think a lot of it was just, you know, the idea of not taking ownership of your part in the damage mm-hmm. that was done. And then even just the idea of reconciliation. And then I think mm-hmm. the things that really, I think there's times throughout the whole thing, anytime when I would groan, like audibly groan out loud, listening in my car, or if I'm at the gym would be the times when it's like, Oh, well, you know, God told me this, God told me that. And, and I think that was kind of, for me, um, you know, I'm with you. That was very tragic. Um, I think the thing that was more surprising for me was the fact that, and I think it was like the second to last episode where we heard about Mark's plagiarism. And I thought that was shocking because I would think that if you were somebody who marketing yourself and you're kind of this big celebrity pastor that you wouldn't steal other people's stuff. And Mm -hmm. I know, and then maybe this might be a whole other podcast, but the idea of plagiarism is just something that is shocking to me. Cause I think I'd spin drilled in my head. Don't plagiarize. Or if you do want to use someone's sources, make sure, you know, as an academic, make sure you cite your sources as a pastor. If you're going to use something in your sermon, that is not your idea. It's someone else's idea. Make sure you give them credit or knowledge. And the fact that I have seen and heard pastors from within my area that plagiarize, knowingly knowingly plagiarize and people know they plagiarize but no one calls them out on it or questions them is shocking and then the fact that it's happening on a higher megachurch scale was also very shocking to me that someone of that caliber would knowingly steal someone else's verbatim word for word it's not like oh here's this idea and i'm going to paraphrase it and use it in my own words it's more of exactly line for line here's how it is and i think it was the um oh, i can't think of her name but the the lady who interviewed her at the on the radio station where she actually on her website had line to line mm-hmm. from her friend's book and what he mark driscoll wrote and how highlighted word for word verbatim on uh on all that which which is nice because if you ever go into the show notes of the podcast they actually do have hyperlinks to be able to look at some of those things to be able to mm-hmm. I'll pull yeah. those up. So I thought that was good. Um, I think the other heartbreaking thing for me about this episode was the fact that it really highlighted spiritual manipulation and spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's very oh, easy yeah. for us to say, oh, well, it's a mental thing. It's just, 
you know, mental abuse or physical abuse, but we have to really address how much spiritual abuse can do a lot of damage, especially when mm. you're saying, oh, God told me this. Like, I mean, there's a quote that they've, I think they played like numerous times about the Mars Hill bus and you're mm -hmm. either on yeah. it or you're getting run over by it. And, you know, there's a whole pile of bodies behind the Mars Hill bus and God willing, God willing, a, maybe a couple more bodies added to that pile. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. And yet he's saying this in front of, and I think the tragic thing for me is he's saying this in front of church leaders. This wasn't mm -hmm. at his church. This was a conference where other yep. church leaders can go and learn from him. And everyone's just sitting there like laughing, like, and ha ha ha, like, like this is a good time. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I don't think I've ever been to any church leadership conferences where that was said and everyone's just like laughing, thinking that was a great idea or, oh, ho, ho, Mark's a funny guy. Like, like that was just so strange to me. Yeah. And if you actually listen to it, like you can kind of hear a couple of times where he was laughing maniacally, like talking about like getting people off of the bus or throwing them off the bus. Like it was, mm -hmm. it was really disturbing. It was. You know? It was, it's very disturbing. And I think the other thing that's disturbing is how, you know, when you think about his model where, you know, they had 12 elders and they were there to kind of keep them accountable to as things were growing and moving, a lot of those, which some people may say hindrances were starting to be shaved. So now it was just him and two other guys. And really there was no accountability for Mark mm -hmm. at all. It was less, you know, everyone else was there. And, you know, even just that church model and that idea of leadership, how much that particular model or some variations of that model has kind of been adopted by other churches, both big and small. Because, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I've know of some churches within my denomination, other churches where they have completely, the pastor comes in, has completely rechanged everything. And of course, people vote on it because they go, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. And then it's like, but where's the accountability? Yeah. And you kind of, or you get to the point where the way it's written that this, basically there is no way this person can get removed unless he decides it's time for him to go or her to go. And that's it. Um, and I think that's, and I think that's another tragedy thing that kind of came out of it. How much mm -hmm. examples and views of this church and some of the things that they've had and kind of this marketing thing of this is how you grow a big church and here's the things you need to do and how much some of those things, some of the good things, and then some of the ugly things that kind of get adopted into, you know, your traditional regular churches in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So looking at this episode, what was one thing that you thought that you could take away from it and say, you know, this was something that I've learned from this, like something that I think, you know, even though in the midst of all this tragedy, here was the one thing that I could take away with from this that I thought was um, good. Um, Cause even in the opening of this um, ep uh, every episode, it's like, well, how God can move in broken places. So what did you feel like in this podcast? That was something that you could take something good out of this from this story. Uh, something good that I could take out was, was the, the reconciliation where possible, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, there are some people that just wouldn't reconcile anything, you know, and I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the guy that was essentially the CEO. Oh, um, um, it was um, 
I want to say his last name was Sutton, but I can't think of his yes, name. Yes, uh, Sutton. Yeah, yeah Sutton. or Sutton Turner, maybe. Yeah, Sutton Turner. So, yeah, that's where you go. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that he's been able to to mend some bridges, and the fact that some of the churches were still able to to um, continue to work under a different name, even after Mark left, to, and they were still able to serve the communities. Like, I think that that was good. You know. Um, but I know that some another question you'd already asked me was um, what what I might have learned through this podcast, and it's something that I kind of wanted to say. Like, um, and it was something that was that's been going on outside of the podcast. But I'm, I've been learning a lot about the sin of scandal. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you really um, know. Like, I, I mean, I know that you are probably more read than a lot of people, but like, I think that even like in, in the American church, you know, we don't think of ourselves as belonging to anybody else, Hmm. you know? And the thing I think I took away the most that I think that could be good, that could be really good is that, you know, we have a responsibility to each other. Like we are supposed to be a community, but as we saw in this in in this example of Mars Hill, and, and I mean, it's not like in a vacuum. Like this happens all over the place. Everybody's like, "Well, you can't tell me what to do." You know, like I'm going to do what I want, whether or not it causes somebody else to stumble. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, like I do think that there are some lines that you that you can you can kind of like draw in the sand and say, you know, if this is making somebody stumble, like it's probably not as much me but the but i do believe that and i mean especially with somebody like a pastor like mark driscoll like he led a lot of people to sin you know and, and we all do it and whether it's a sin of, a, of an action or a sin of omission you know um but i i mean honestly my prayer is that like if anything really good's come, good good can come out of this is that people will see that you know everything that we do affects somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, and I would, and I would highlight, I would highlight that sentiment with the idea that, you know, from being a pastor and also just being a regular church goer, it's very easy for thing people to get offended by Mm -hmm. another person's actions, whether, me as a pastor, I may say something or do something that may offend somebody, um, whether it's whether I was in the wrong or whether it's not. It was just more of a personality thing. Um, mm-hmm. Those things, we could either just ignore them and allow that hurt and pain to continue to go on, mm-hmm. or we can have that time of reconciliation. And, you know, I think the times where people may have had some issues with whether it's my leadership or maybe if I had some issues with something that may have been said or done, you know, I, I was never one to back away from um, confronting someone in a, in a more of a gentle way for a gentle mm-hmm. rebuke. If I saw something. Um, mm-hmm. So when those happen and when it was kind of met with open arms, met with fruitful, met from learning, met from a growing perspective, you know, great healing could come from that. And I think that was kind of one of the highlights that we saw from Sutton's story is that, Exactly. You know, he tried to really reach out and 
try to connect with people. And if he found himself back in Seattle, he was going to meet those people. And, and mm. I think even there was one part where he said, you know, I was there for three days. I met with one family, talked with them for like three hours. And even at the mm. end of the three hours, they were like, yeah, you know, Hey, we appreciate you talking to you, but, but we still don't forgive you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, you know, you know, that's, you know, he did his best. He tried his best to make amends and they just weren't ready to forgive him. And then it was like, he's in Texas and randomly he gets a call. And then all of a sudden it's like the same guy go, Hey, we just want to let you know, we forgive you now. You know, there mm-hmm. was at least a time healing, but I think in order for that to happen, there had to be that humility of saying, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I wronged you. Let's talk about it. Let's try to hash things out. And I think that was kind of the big thing that I could take away from was just like, wow, you know, that was something that I thought was really powerful. Um, You know, I think for me, something that I can learn from is just how much. For me, I think it's how much important it is for those who are in leadership, whether especially those who are like on an elder board or any type of committee that works with the pastor, uh, works with leaders in the church, how unequipped they are to actually lead Mm -hmm. and how unequipped they are to really handle sensitive matters. Um, And especially I think it's important for, and again, you know, you go to, you know, for me and even for you, you know, we go to school, we learn stuff. And for me, I learned how to be a pastor, learn how to do all this stuff. I, and it's basically all this knowledge and experience on how to be a pastor, do all these things. But for your person who may be a plumber or an accountant, when they get asked to serve on the elder board, you know, they have no experience on how to lead. And even when you look at the instructions we see of the qualifications of an elder in, uh, in Timothy, it's like, you have to be this, you have to be this, don't do this, don't do this. And you're really not sure, well, how do I navigate through something which, you know, I appreciate books like um, Scott McKnight and Laura Brennigan's A Church Called Tove, where they kind of highlight, you know, here's, here's what a good cult- church culture looks like. And here's how, you know, bad how if you don't have these things in place how things get really bad and sometimes your leaders can kind of just be like well we don't know what to do or we're trying to do our best but we've kind of you know take instructions from the person in charge and sometimes that may not necessarily be uh, the best thing um yeah so i think that was the one thing that i learned from this podcast um and then kind of my final question you know, just kind of highlighting this podcast is what is something in this podcast that you wish was addressed more or something that needed to be highlighted a little bit more than that wasn't? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it goes back to the thesis of, you know, we all killed Mars Hill, you (laughs) know, again, like it was a lot of the firsthand account. And I think that it was a great story, you know, and I was enamored with it. And I honestly felt like, what am I going to do now that it's over? You know, I was in show hole or whatever. <laughs> they call it. You know, I was just like, it was, it was riveting, but you know, I went back, you know, and it wasn't Mark Driscoll by himself. It wasn't the leadership team by himself. Like they were the tip of the iceberg. Right. 
but like, what about everybody under the water that was holding them up? You know, and I don't feel like that that was fully explored. And, you know, the tragedy is, is that the church, little C church, you know, the human institution is going to go up against that, like the Titanic every time. And it's going to sink, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's, it's immovable. Like it can't be taught. It can't be, it, it, it doesn't take humility seriously, you know, and why, why do we want to hang on to these cults of personality, mm. you know? And I mean, and, and that could be taken in the, in the religious sense or even in the political sense now. I mean, I feel like you could talk about that for years. Oh yeah. And never, and never, you know, get to the bottom of it, but you know, where, how can we, stop how can we how can we refrain from from repeating our mistakes if we don't know why we make them in the first place yeah i think i think that's good i think that's good um because even you know because you know if you know one of the deconstruction podcasts um which you know at the time recording it's supposed to air this friday (laughs) so this is the week of the 14th so this Mm -hmm. friday when i it's actually emily Emily's story and you know she kind of talks a little bit about the idea of church kind of almost being like a cult and I think you're kind of hitting it on the head not and I mean I know I might get some fire for that but when you put I mean there was a podcast I used to listen to called cults and they really looked at all these different cults and they kind of always say well here are the three things that make a cult and one of the first things is that you have a very charismatic leader Someone who is very charismatic, very outgoing, someone who's very, in some ways, kind of narcissistic in some ways, but there's someone Mm -hmm. that people can really entice people and bring people into their camp and really, and and to the point where people can follow this person. And then of course Mm -hmm. the, the other thing, and I think it's the third thing, I can't remember the second thing, but the third thing is that sometimes the rules that the leader puts in place are also rules that the leader doesn't follow as well. Of course. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So, I mean, that was one thing in the podcast that kept saying, you know, Mark always kept talking about grace and the grace of God. And yet you never really saw that played out. Mm-hmm. You know, he talked about it, but you never really see that played out from him. Maybe a few occasions, maybe in the early years of Mars Hill, you saw that, but towards the end when things started blowing up and you kind of have that whole celebrity kind of that celebrity cult of personality thing, then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. well, now the grace of God is starting to get less and less from the person who continues to keep preaching about grace. And I think yeah. that's kind of a big issue. Um, for me, the thing I wish they would have dived in a little bit more was the idea of finding God in broken places. I feel like yeah. it was talked about. And I feel like even in a lot of the episodes, there might be like maybe one particular episode where they would highlight it. But then when I got to the aftermath, I was thinking, okay, let's hear about all this stuff. And I mean, we did. We got to hear about some of these like satellite churches, how 
funds were able to be distributed. And they kind of talked a little bit about the numbers and how bad their finances were and how they were able to do all these things. But the idea mm-hmm. that, hey, this church closed, but then these two churches merged. So you got to see that people were able to rebrand and re-identify away from kind of the Mars seal. You even see like some of the guys started a company and hire people to work from them. So then that way, they could kind of not have to put Mars Hill on the resume because they knew that mm-hmm. that was going to be a career killer in the Seattle area. Oh, you worked at Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll. No, thanks. Pfft. Like you're done. Like they could be really good at their job, but because mm-hmm. they're associated with kind of had that dark cloud over them. It was like, Oh, like, yeah. So, you know, they're able to help out with that. Uh, but then you also had stories of people who are really still dealing with a lot of trauma. Some have even taken their own lives. And I just felt mm-hmm. like, as we got to the end, I almost wish that that entire episode, or at least the last two episodes, really focused on the reconciliation, the healing part, what people are doing, where are they now, how are they healing from this, and everything else. And I felt like I never got that. I just yeah. felt like it was shocking, shocking, shocking. Here's this tragedy. Here's a little thing. Like even, I think it was a, probably a couple episodes, I want to say maybe episode nine, where you know, you heard about the Smiths being fired and letting go mm-hmm. and not signing the NDA. And then, you know, the yeah. church started GoFundMe. And, you know, you hear that story and it's like, well, that's great. And that's wonderful. And I mean, I've heard that story from Jen previously before this podcast start that they were able mm-hmm. to do that and how wonderful, but even how painful that was. Like it was, it was hard for her to mm-hmm. see because it's like, we just been through this traumatic thing at the church. And here is the church pouring out this love. And it was very, conflicting it was very paradoxical for them of you know you had Mm -hmm. that hope and hurt kind of colliding right there in that moment and i wish that there would have been more of that and i felt like you only got it from a couple key players but you never really got it from a lot and even in even the times where mike cosper would come on and say hey we're just still getting more interviews more people are talking more people i'm like okay that's great that's great and yet I never really got that. Yeah. I think that was the one thing that's like, well, if you're going to end your kind of your opener with, you know, and how God's working in broken places. And yet that was only probably about an eighth of the podcast. Mm. Well, you know, and I I can definitely sympathize with that because I I do think that it was a fairly depressing show overall, but at the same time, like, do we run the risk of whitewashing what happened by, Mm -hmm. by focusing on too much of that, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, And I mean, it's, it's not necessarily like, I mean, there's, there's definitely a balance and I don't know if we would ever get it right for everybody, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, and I, and I definitely, I definitely get that. But I mean, I do think that it could have used a little more cheeriness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I, and I agree with you because I mean, it's very, it's very Christian like to be able to take tragedy and turn it into something positive. Yeah. And I think, and that's the thing I felt like, you know, with that balance being hard, I didn't want the last episode. See, even though you've heard all these, you know, a majority of episodes were just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And then we're going to go ahead and just say, but guess what? Everything's all better now everybody got help everybody is emotionally and spiritually healthy everybody's going back to church everything's great like you know yeah we can get that and 
and I and I'm glad that they didn't. At the same time, I wish you know I wish there was a little bit more. I wish there was almost yeah. kind of like that, not necessarily a silver lining, but something where you can kind of see a ray of hope shining through the dark clouds that we have just experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah I think that that's that would be cool. I, something that I was kind of thinking about when you were talking about having that. I've also been 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 wrestling with this this thought of like the fact that you know Jesus went to the cross you know and kind of it changed the trajectory of the cross you know but he never took away the pain exactly mm-hmm. you know and I think that maybe part of why we are left with so much pain aside from the fact that we're still in a fallen world is that one of the biggest causes of that pain has never once taken any responsibility mm. you know like how how can we in a sense grow without i mean we can grow like the lord is faithful and he's he's going to give us the things that we need even if the person who offended us never never comes back and says hey, I'm really sorry for what I did. Like, yeah, you know, but like, I think that it it needs to hurt because, you know, kind of what Mark and a lot of people like him preach, they they preach this form of prosperity gospel. Like you do this, this, and this, you're going to have eternal life. Everything's going to be great. But like, no, we're sitting here in the crap that we all do to each other, you know, and maybe we need to actually sit in it more and reflect on what's going on in our lives and the lives around us. You know, I don't know. I don't mean to rain on your parade. Like no, no, just, no, no, no. You You're know. fine. No, the great, great thoughts, Phil. Great thoughts. And I think, yeah, I think that's, and I think that's kind of the big piece. And I think that's even, and maybe another thing that's surprising to me is that, you know, we have this documented history from people's testimonies, from emails, from even if you want to go back to, you know, pulling out the old chat rooms and you have the pseudonym Willem Wallace and all the Mm -hmm. crazy things that were said that you find out later, it was actually Mark Driscoll saying it. Um, I'm I'm just shocked and surprised that even though there's a well-documented history, why someone, whether that's the, reformed movement whether it's someone would say you know what let's go ahead and give this guy a church and let him do things and i don't want to say that Mm -hmm. like well no people can't ever be pastors who have fallen from grace or had moral failings or had some type of controversy with them that they can't go and be pastors again i'm not saying that Mm -hmm. but i would say if there's some type of reconciliation that can be done and some type Mm -hmm. of healing that can take place, then I would think that someone would say, well, have you reconciled with those you have wounded? And if you have, then I'm more than happy to say, okay, yeah, take the pulpit. Mm -hmm. We'll put some guidelines. We'll, we'll have some accountability. We'll make sure we'll give you the tools to succeed, but also the tools to make sure that you are being taken care of. And that if you start kind of, getting a little loose will rebuke you and try to get you back on, you know, back on the right path. Um, But the fact that he's pastoring and even some of the same, like even I was on Twitter 
last night and I don't mm-hmm. know what it was, but you know, cause I follow a lot of like pastors and church leaders and stuff and everybody, it seemed like everybody and their mom goes, I don't know what I said. Cause I don't really it correspond with him, but all of a sudden they're being blocked by Mark Driscoll. Like he is, he has banned them or blocked them from seeing any of his tweets. And I'm thinking they're like maybe guilt by association because I'm, you know, friends with this person, but for the most part, I don't have any, and you know, I don't interact with them. Why did I get blocked? And it was just like a mass blocking. And it's like, there's some of these signs and some of these breadcrumbs that are kind of alluding to the same type of behavior that happened at Mars Hill. Hmm. And there's a part of me that goes, well, why is that not who's who's and who's and who are the people in Arizona that are now addressing this, that are kind of keeping him accountable and saying, Hey, why are you just massively blocking a bunch of people? What's going on? Like what's happening? Yeah. Like, who knows? Like I could probably go on to Twitter and I'm blocked because this podcast came out and, it's, and you're blocked yeah. too if you're on Twitter. Oh no, I gave up Twitter a long time ago. It's, yes. it's bad for my health. I've, uh, believe me, there's a lot of apps that are bad for your health. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've gotten rid of all social media off of my phone. So if yes. I'm on it, it's on the computer. It's it's very intentional. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But, you know, and the thing about Mark Driscoll and, and people like him is that, like, we want to have that popularity. We want that mm-hmm. kind of charisma and we're drawn to it, you know. And I keep having this, this quote kind of go back and forth in my mind and you can bleep it out or, or what, but you know, Mark may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of, it's, and, and, and that's kind of like the way it, it, it went, like when he started playing the victim narrative, like, oh, we had this, this dispute, there was a trap set for me, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And then everybody's like, well, you know, none of us are free from sin. So let's just go ahead and forgive this guy of everything that he's ever done even though there's no heart of repentance at all, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's a, that's a problem with the, the church worldwide. You know, I don't think that that's just an American thing, you know, I, and I mean, I think that there are some churches that, that have a better handle on that than others, whether they're institutional or just, you know, one-off churches, but yeah, you know, like, I, I, and again, like, I just think that we need to address this. Why, do we continue following for something that is that is less than what God has for us, you know, mm. and being like, you know, and kind of like when when I was listening to your friend Ryan, I think it yeah. was mm-hmm. recently, and he was uh, when he was talking about orthopraxy, and I thought that's amazing. Like, why don't we talk about that more often? Mm-hmm. You know, like we, you know, right thinking is nothing unless we, you know, put it into practice. And, yeah, and I don't think that the church is doing a very good job of putting things into practice, myself included. So yeah, and yeah, I, I and there's a whole lot we can explore there. Um, hey, we we can keep talking some other time, you know. Right? Yeah, definitely. You might have to shoot me a note. Go, hey, let's address talk about these things so we can go back to because I'll probably forget by the time I get to pick up my daughter from preschool. Cause that's yeah. just how my brain works. I'll re- it's like, it's like you jump in the shower and you have all these great ideas or mm-hmm. back when I was doing music, I'd come up with these great song lyrics. I'm like, Oh man, I'm singing in the shower. I'm like, Oh man, this is great. And then it's like, <laughs> right when that water turns off and the towel goes around me, it's like, 
I can't remember anything I just sang in that shower. I was too busy having fun. <laughs> Even if I'm just like spitting <laughs> rap verses and I'm like, oh man, I should definitely record this. Like, no, I can't. It's all gone now. <laughs> Get a waterproof recorder. Oh yeah. But back is back when I was a kid, they didn't have those things yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe like one of those big, like what were they called? Like talk boys from like Home Alone 2. Maybe they could survive oh, I wanted water. Those so bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. My parents never got me one and I don't think I forgave them for a long time. I don't think I don't think I ever got one either because I was just yeah. like, nah, I don't want one. Um, that wasn't my thing. So kind of to wrap up the show, for those of you who have listened to this, um, if you have not listened to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, uh, you can just find it. Just do a search in any podcast. Um, wherever you listen to your podcast, just do a search for Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And you definitely can listen to it. But again, um, I think it's great. And we like to know what you think. If you listen to it, please just share your thoughts and let us know what you thought of the series. And if you agree or disagree with Phil and I's uh, kind of view of the podcast and some of our thoughts, we definitely would like to hear some of the things that you took away from it, the good, the bad, and also the ugly. So guys, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of 2021 and I will see you in 2022. Take care. Bye.